We're going to read the Bible now. Um, Today we're reading from 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you grab a Bible from the back table, you'll find it's been bookmarked so you can find your place. Samuel chapter 9 from verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth! At your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops, so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Well, good morning, everybody. It is indeed a, a privilege to be here and share God's word with you. As I walked in through the doors into the foyer, uh, Don Barnes came to me. Where's Don? And he asked me a question. He said, are you part of the Two Father Club? Is that how you put it, Don? And I thought, Don's being a bit cryptic here. (laughs) Part of the Two Father Club. It is Father's Day, that's true. But he was referring to, is your Heavenly Father your father? I think it's a good question to ask, isn't it? That our Heavenly Father is indeed all that we need in life. And um, thanks, Don, for challenging me. I gave this passage on um, 2 Samuel 9. Uh, Hannah said, Methibosheth. Is that how you say it? Methibosheth, I've heard it say. (laughs) But interestingly... There's another name for him in the Bible, and it's Meribal. I don't know whether that's more helpful, but that's another name for Mephibosheth. And you can find that in 1 Chronicles 8, verse 34. OK, 
Okay, let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you for your word and the authority that it is in our lives. Father, how it speaks to our heart and how we are reminded of your grace. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will do his work amongst us this morning as we unpack this story of Mephibosheth. Father, we pray for your blessing and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it is a wonderful story, isn't it? 2 Samuel 9. A wonderful story of redeeming grace. King David bestows grace on a crippled man, Mephibosheth. It's a story that has spoken to my heart for a long time. And I trust that it will to you this morning. And that we can learn or be reminded of the basic truths of the gospel. So we'll give our attention to the three characters found in this particular passage. David, King David, Mephibosheth, and Ziba. Ziba's mentioned in our passage. And hopefully we can learn something from them and how we might live our lives uh, reflecting God's grace. So I invite you to keep your Bibles open as we explore. 2 Samuel 9 is set in a time when David has assumed the throne. And he has time to reflect on life. And also to honour the pledges or the promises he had entered into with people. You may remember that after the death of Saul, David needed to establish his kingship. After all, he was handpicked by God to do that. He had a huge responsibility to lead his people. And there was much to do. And, his, and as you read in the previous chapters, he had to sort out the conflict that still existed between the house of Saul and his own. And he had to deal with the surrounding nations that had built up during Saul's tenure as king. And in so doing, he captures Jerusalem. And you can find that in 2 Samuel 5. And upon capturing Jerusalem, he brings the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, into that city, which had now become the city of David. And we are told that God was with him all the way. And now there was peace in the land, and he had time to be a ruler of God's people. For God had promised David a great deal. And you can read that in chapter 7, verse 8, where Nathan the prophet goes to David and he says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you've gone and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home on their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning and have done ever since. 
I have appointed leaders over my people Israel. I'll also give you rest from all your enemies. What a resounding endorsement from God to David to govern God's people. David had come a long way, hadn't he? From a shepherd boy to the responsibility of being king over God's people. And so David is set up to rule the people of God with a heart that is after God's own. And this is where it brings us to verse 1 of 2 Samuel 9. When David addresses the court with the question in verse 1, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now David and Jonathan had entered into a pact with each other that regardless of what happens in life, they would look after each other's family. They vowed that. And so David asked that question, remembering that vow he made to Jonathan. Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now the people in his court must have been bemused by that question. Not that we know of, because we dealt with them. We got rid of them. So they, uh, they appear, they, sorry, they summon a man by the name of Ziba. And David asks a similar question. But there's a subtle difference. Did you notice? Is there anyone still alive from the household of Saul to whom he could show kindness? Somehow Ziba, a servant of Saul, had survived the conflict between the household of Saul and David. Ziba was a wealthy man, a very influential man. He had 15 sons, we are told. He had 20 servants, a man of stature. And he answers David's question, but it's an interesting re reply. He mentions a son of Jonathan, whom we know as Mephibosheth. And he adds more information, and he's a cripple. That's true. Mephibosheth was indeed a cripple. In the height of the conflict, when Saul was at war, Saul died, and so did Jonathan, his son. And the nurse, looking after Mephibosheth, in her haste to get away, dropped him, and he became lame. The fact that Zeba mentions Mephibosheth is a cripple, as a cripple is interesting. He knew of his health. And what's more, he knew of his address. He's at, the, at Makir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. That's like saying, you know, I've got all his details. I've got his email address. His mobile phone number if you want it. Lodabar, we are told. That's where he is, which really means a place of nowhere. 
that's where you would find a fugitive, a person living in exile as far away as possible in hiding. So David says, go and get him. You know where he lives? Now go and get him. And so Mephibosheth is brought before the king. And he's shaking in his boots, isn't he? Fearful of his life. But David reassures him in verse 7, Don't be afraid, Mephibosheth, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. This was not the reply that Mephibosheth expected. All the way from Lodabar, under escort, being carried, thinking that his life was over, only to be told that he would receive an inheritance worthy of a crown prince. He simply cannot understand what's happening. And his response to that reflects it, doesn't it? Mephibosheth bowed his head and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? To me, they're one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. What do you see? in a dead dog like me. That's how he saw himself. Not a dog, but a dead dog. Crippled. Totally dependent. Only to be, give, to be given an inheritance fit for a prince. But David didn't see him as a dead dog, did he? Not at all. He didn't even think about him being a cripple. David actually goes against his own word because he had declared earlier that not a lame person or a blind person would ever enter into Jerusalem. And here he receives Mephibosheth, warts and all. always eating at the king's table. He was considered as if he was the son of the king. What a change. Once living in exile as a fugitive, now living in the king's presence constantly. So what do we make of a nice story like this? which has a happy ending, as it were. Well, it begins with David wanting to honour a pledge. David being in a position to honour pledges is a picture, really, of God wanting to do the same. God had promised right in the very beginning that he would make it right. That he would put enmity between Satan and the woman. Remember that promise in Genesis 
And this is reflected also in this particular passage. The Lord in his mercy sees to that. See, David in our chapter here is a picture of God's grace. Grace he wants to bestow on all those who see themselves as a dead dog. David knew about this. He also realised the grace of God in his own life. David too was a fugitive on the run. On the run away from Saul. And he responds to that. And you can read that in chapter 7 verse 18. Where he says, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And if this was enough in your sight, O sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. Is this your usual way of dealing with men, O sovereign Lord? How great are you, O sovereign God? There is none like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth, that God went out to redeem. That's the consistent message of the Old Testament, isn't it? God's historical plan of salvation for mankind. See, David speaks of God's promises and his love for people that would ultimately be fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because David too knew of his total dependency on God. And he considered it a privilege that the Lord was working through him. And he simply marvelled. God was dealing with mankind and David himself considered him as just that man. With all his failings, as that will become evident later in our um, story. So no wonder he questions, is this your usual way of dealing with man, O sovereign Lord? What a God who is pleased to bestow his blessings on all those who can, he considers his children. It's the same blessing that Mephibosheth experienced and it changed his life. Like Mephibosheth, we need to know the grace that has been bestowed on us. Mephibosheth was taken out of the place of exile, Lodabar, and made prince of a nation. Of all the benefits and the privileges that go with that. And his humble attitude towards it all confirms his position. Who am I? A dead dog to receive all this. Friends, that's the challenge for all of us. Have you seen yourself as a dead dog before an almighty God? Do you realise also that we're all crippled? Crippled. Maybe not physically, spiritually, mentally. Crippled some way, somehow, because of sin. 
And the invitation is there to take a place at the Lord's table. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It's true, isn't it? And it's so humbling to know. In our church, I had a discussion with someone, and I asked a question, what do you deserve in life? I got the reply, oh, a reasonable car, a nice house, good wife, good bank account, and he must have seen my face drop. He said, you don't agree? That's not what the Bible teaches. We deserve eternal death, hell. Oh, Benny said, you've ruined my day. But look what's been offered. That's the perspective we need to take, isn't it? And we lose it so quickly. Mephibosheth received the honour of dining at the king's table for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. And like Mephibosheth, all who have entrusted themselves to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, their King, will also dine with him forever. That's the promise, isn't it? Like Mephibosheth, we become adopted as sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful picture of God's grace, isn't it? That penetrates into our hearts, humbling us to a point we see ourselves as nothing. We deserve nothing. We are simply dead dogs. Only to be lifted up by the grace of God. To be sons and daughters of him. Mephibosheth, upon receiving and accepting grace, is committed now to the source which sustains his life. The story continues. Just turn over a couple of chapters to chapter 16. Situation had changed in David's life. Absalom becomes, wants to become king. He forces his father out of Jerusalem. And he's on the run. And things have become desperate in David's life. Chapter 16, 2 Samuel 16, verse 1. When David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, and a hundred cakes of raisins, a hundred cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, 
The bread and the fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is to refresh those who've become exhausted in the wilderness. The king then asked, Where is your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, He's staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today that the Israelites will restore to me my grandfather's kingdom. Then the king said to Ziba, All that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. I humbly bow, Ziba said. May I find favour in your eyes, my lord the king. Well, that's a turn of events, isn't it? Grace given, and now grace taken away? What's going on? Ziba is very cunning here, isn't he? He took advantage of the desperate situation David and his men were in. And he rolls up with a food truck to supply the needs. And then tells David that Mephibosheth has now defected and gone to the other side, the other camp. To which David simply hands over all that he had given to Mephibosheth to Ziba. I humbly bow. Thanks very much. Mission accomplished. David had perceived right when he asked Ziba, where is your master's grandson? He had given Ziba the responsibility to look after Mephibosheth no matter what. That was his responsibility. But Ziba's motivation is for himself. Ziba must have got the biggest shock of his life to be landed with the responsibility of looking after a cripple and the farm with his sons and his servants. That wasn't the idea. He had cooperated with David when he asked the question, is there anyone still left from the household of Saul to whom I can show favour? Ziba come up with somebody only to find favour in David's eyes. But he offers a cripple. As you can read at the end of Samuel, there are more of Saul's sons. He didn't offer them. He offered up a cripple. And now was the moment to change all that. And David fell for it. Gave everything what was Mephibosheth to Ziba. Responsibility is a tough gig as king. And when you're on the run, even more so. The best of men are men at best. But when you have no idea of grace, this is what you do, don't you? You concentrate on the earthly kingdom. And if the truth be told, there's a bit of zeba in us all, isn't there? The world and its attractions can bring out the worst in us, I can tell you. 
May God in his mercy make us realise the consequence if we were to follow the example of Ziba. So what happened to Mephibosheth in all this? Forgotten? Continue on, a couple of chapters. Chapter 19, verse 24. Absalom is dealt with, he's killed. David returns to Jerusalem and slowly things come back to normal. And the people come down to meet him. Chapter 19, verse 24. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his moustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, Why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, my lord the king, since I your servant am lame, I said I will have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servants a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the land. Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take everything now that my lord the king has returned home safely. What a story. Mephibosheth recognised grace, didn't he? He also knew his responsibility. He also knew his place. He hadn't taken care of himself when the king was forced out. He was dedicated. To persevere be, despite the difficulties. The challenge is for us, isn't it? Do we persevere when it gets tough? When it all seems wrong? When it seems so unjust? Thankfully, the Lord Jesus knew and experienced that, how tough it gets. Mephibosheth reminds David of grace received, verse 28. All my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? How true. God has given us all that we need in life. The greatest, the richest, 
is salvation by what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. What right do we have to ask for any more? Mephibosheth was prepared to forego all his earthly possessions the world had to offer. And he witnessed to Ziba in the process. You can have the farm. Is that what you're after? You want the farm and all that goes with it? Have it. If that's what life's about, you're mistaken. Mephibosheth knew his security. And nothing would distract him from that. So let's wind up. The story of Mephibosheth demonstrates God's grace to crippled people. Like I said before, we're all crippled. And David's treatment of Mephibosheth shows David's integrity as leader who accepted his obligation to show love and mercy. His generous provision for Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, goes beyond any political benefit he might have received. The question is, are we prepared to be as generous? The Lord Jesus came into this world to, the, to do the will of his heavenly Father. And in doing so, he showed compassion to all those around him. Extending an invitation to accept the gospel of grace. Mephibosheth was afraid to visit the king, thinking that was the end of his life, only to be treated like a prince. He felt unworthy. But it doesn't mean he would refuse what was on offer. It's the same with us. When God graciously offers forgiveness of sin and a place to sit at his table, we might feel unworthy. But the offer is genuine and it demands a response. And the promise is that a reception even warmer than the one David gave Mephibosheth awaits those who accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their king in life and entrust themselves to him and him alone. It's all grace. Undeserved. That's what Paul writes. For it's by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. David experienced this in his life. And now Mephibosheth did as well. Ziba, on the other hand, tried to earn the favour of David. Three characters. Where are you in that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a humbling story about David bestowing.
grace towards Mephibosheth. And Father, when we think it through and apply it to ourselves, we realise that there is no other way than the way of the Lord Jesus in accepting his invitation to be a son of God and to always eat at your table, crippled as we are. So thank you, Lord, for reminding us this morning of this wonderful story, which would reflect the life and work of our Lord Jesus. Father, if we're wrestling with this, we pray that your spirit would convict us and remind us and refresh us in God's grace. For Jesus' sake and your glory. Amen.